Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is an episode of the Key Row Film Society, and I am Pastor Neil Wemus. I am a pastor at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Ida Grove, Iowa. It has been a long time since I've recorded any type of a podcast on the Key Row Film Society, but today I decided to do one. As you notice, there's no intro music, and there's going to be no concluding concluding music, uh, because I am recording this at, while I am driving. Uh, I am right now in the state of South Dakota, um, on the way to spend some time with family for a little quick uh, trip. So anyways, with all of that in mind, here is my episode. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at a movie that I am right now kind of on the left, what the word would be, is obsessed. And the name of the movie is Logan. Now, there's no secret about it. I love comic book movies. I love superheroes. I like comic books. Uh, I watched, you know, the X-Men, the animated series, Spider-Man, the animated series, Batman, the animated series, back in the 90s. And I loved them. And I've watched every single comic book movie that's come out for the most part. Um, <coughs> I, I've got a decent collection of comics. This last weekend, I was at Wizard World in Des Moines, which was a lot of fun, especially on account of the fact that I got an autograph from the Stan Lee, Stan the Man Lee, the guy that created X-Men, Spider-Man, Daredevil, etc., etc., and so I love comic books, and I love the superhero genre. I love the films, and then this. And if right now, if I were to give you up until recently, if I were to give you a top ten favorite comic book movie list, this is how it would go. Probably go number one would be Guardians of the Galaxy. Number two would be Spider-Man 2. Number 3, The Dark Knight. Number 4, Captain America Winter Soldier. Number 5, Avengers. And I'm not going to go beyond that. Okay, so let's just say that's going to be a top 5, right? Let's say that would be probably top 5. I think X-Men First Class would probably get in that top 10. Uh, you know, there's some other movies I'd probably throw in there. But the movie that today I would say is my favorite comic book movie ever, right at this moment, I mean, I'll let you know in a few months if that holds true, is the movie Logan. <coughs> and the reason is, is this movie... Okay, people want to compare and say this is the, the Dark Knight of Marvel. And there's a possibility you could make a case for that. Now, kind of a complexity about that, that comment is this is not made by Marvel Cinematic Universe, this is made by Fox. And Fox doesn't have the best history when it comes to Marvel movies. They've had some real duds of X-Men movies, X-Men 3, um, The Last Stand, and honestly, the only the other two Wolverine movies were, ab- were horrible. And then you have, on top of that, uh... <clears throat> You had the Daredevil movie, you had the Ghost Rider, no, Ghost Rider was, was, I can't remember if Ghost Rider was them or New Line Cinema, but anyways, uh, <clears throat> you did have the Ghost Rider movie, you had Daredevil, you, um, you had the Fantastic Four movies, it, Fox has a bad 
track record, or does not have the best track record when it comes to superhero movies. But here's the thing that's important to remember historically, is that X-Men got the superhero movie genre going. Back in 2000, when it was released, the summer of 2000, comic book franchise films, its genre was dying. I mean, the last major superhero film, I mean, yeah, the movie, the first Blade movie, I think, came up like a year or two before. But that was a movie that could pass itself off simply as the horror genre, the vampire genre, and not get anyone to think, hey, this is a comic book movie. Although many people knew it was. Really, the last major uh, comic book movie was Batman and Robin. That horrible George Clooney Batman movie. A movie that's so bad that even George Clooney, the star of the film, has said that he hates the movie. Alright? That was the last one. Superhero genre as a whole was on um, life support. X-Men comes out and this movie has to have some success. It doesn't have to be a masterpiece. It just needs to have a level of success and if it doesn't the superhero genre never take off. And it did. I mean it wasn't a perfect movie. It was deeply flawed but it was just good enough from a box office standpoint and from a quality standpoint to get the whole genre going. And they came, you know, the Spider-Man, first Spider-Man movie came out. It was a huge success. Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2 were great movies. You the second and X-Men movie. Then you had all these movies coming out in the Marvel. And then Batman Begins came out in 2006, I believe it was. And revitalized the Batman franchise. And furthermore, Batman Begins and the, you know, the whole Dark Knight trilogy introduced the idea that superhero movies could be grounded in reality. And then you have the X-Men Cinematic Universe, with the Marvel Cinematic Universe emerged. With the Iron Man movie, and then all of a sudden you have a whole flurry of good movies out of that. The... See... All, and all that led to a flurry of movies. DC really is still trying to find its ground bearings. Uh, Batman v Superman was a bit of a was definitely a flop. But if you saw if you watched the uh, the director's edition or whatever it is, it's much better. Uh, and. I believe that they got some, they have the ingredients to become a good franchise, all right? And people want one. They want a good Batman and Superman movie. The thing is, DC and Warner Brothers just has to deliver. But so this last year, so the thing is, like this, I watched a really good video by, um, oh, it's Nerd, Nerd Writer, I think it is. It's a YouTube series on and he reviews movies analyzes and looks at them from an artistic standpoint generally and he made the he made this point and this is something that 
James Mangold, who directed Logan, made the point of two, is that it's the reality is that people are beginning to become tired. They're beginning to become um, a little bit on the exhausted side when it comes to superheroes. And the reason is because there's been so many of them. Comic books are kind of, they are our modern day Western. You know, they really are. They're heroic, they got their genre thing, and the thing is, there's so many coming out every year, and I include myself amongst this list that we are beginning to feel exhaustion. I mean, we're talking since 2000. They've been coming out basically every year. And nowadays, there's usually three or four of them a year. Especially when you have the X-Men franchise, you have the you have, you have Fox's movies, you have the Marvel Cinematic movies, and you have the DC movies. You bring that in, that's three studios pumping out movies, superhero movies. And you begin to feel a little, like I said, winded, a little exhausted. And so there's... Last year, we had the first reaction to this reality. And that is with Deadpool. But Deadpool was kind of the irreverent reaction. It was humorous. It was funny. And, it's, it's the, per- and the thing is, it's, it poked fun at the, the superhero tropes. It poked fun at this reality of the, the rights conflicts. You know, it poked fun at a lot of the realities of the the superhero genre. And then you had, then Logan came out, and Logan really is the perfect one to really examine this exhaustion. And the movie is of characters that are exhausted. You have Patrick Stewart's Charles Xavier. You have Hugh Jackman's Wolverine. Both of whom were in that first movie back in 2000, 17 years ago. (coughs) Both of them are tired. Both of them are exhausted. They're worn out. And the movie begins with it. The feel at the very outset is different. You see Logan just out, tired, in the back of a limousine. And... You see him struggling to restrain his violent nature as he sees these gangsters, you know, stealing the lug nuts off of his, um, off of the limousine that he's on. And he eventually gives in to it. And you have the, you know, the, the music, the the color, the the lighting and the night shots, it's it's just so perfect. It looks the character is exhausted, but I think it expresses the emotion of so much of the audience of the about the comic books. We're exhausted. But the thing is, is what this movie is, it it's a reminder. Is comic book movies should not be a, a genre in and of itself. But you realize this is something the Netflix series have realized, and they're demonstrating, they're exercising, is the reality is that 
comic books are not a genre. Really, they shouldn't be. You should realize that there are genres within that genre. You know, I mean, you look at the comic books across the board, they're not the same. Batman should not be the same as Superman. Spider-Man should not be the same as the X-Men. You know, Daredevil should not be the same as, as Fantastic Four, etc., etc. They all have their own unique styles, their own unique looks. All of them bring a different thing to the table. And even the same character can be different in the same con in a different context. And Wolverine is an example. This Wolverine is in the comics is always different in a solo comic than he is in the X-Men comics. He's usually much less vicious and much more restrained. And so in in the X-Men, he's more restrained. He's not as violent as he is in Wolverine, alright? And so Logan is the opportunity. And I, I kind of like the fact. Speaking of the name Logan, I do like throughout the movie they call him uh, James or the Howlet or whatever, which is the the real name that is mentioned in the comics. I kind of love that they carry that through. But like I said, the feel of the movie is the feeling of of exhaustion. There's the feeling of the the old cowboy, the old hero, just tired. And I kind of like, and you know, the director, I've watched the, um, there's a documentary on the D, the Blu-ray, which, by the way, if you're going to watch this movie, go buy the Blu-ray. This is one that don't settle for the digital. Go buy the Blu-ray. Because with the Blu-ray, you get a black and white version, which looks pretty cool. Uh, and also, you have this really good documentary. And one of the things I've read from James Mangold is that he's frequently talked about how this movie is very heavily influenced by his favorite movie, Shane. And Hugh Jackman has mentioned that it also is influenced by the movie Unforgiven. And, but one of the things he talked about with Shane is in the movie Shane, you're not certain whether or not Shane is a good guy or a bad guy. And you get the same thing here with Logan. Is he the villain or not? Now, let's let's kind of step backwards. I talked about, as I began, though, a little bit ago, I was talking about the reality. And there is a realism in it. You have Xavier. He's not the Xavier you see in the other movies. Who's calm, who's collected, who's smart, who's always on top of things here. He has no control over anything. And I've, I've heard people that got mad about this. Like, I don't like the idea of Xavier cursing. But here's the deal. He's got a degenerative brain disease. We find out later in the film that he is responsible for the death of all of the X-Men. I don't feel like I'm spoiling anything because I don't think it's meant to be a surprise moment. It's just a detail. All right. I don't, from what I understand, the movie's not. I I get that the movie is not is not a shock and awe movie, so I don't feel like I'm ruining anything. This movie is not about the battles, although they got some great fights. It's not about that. It's about the characters in this journey. 
And like I said, so you had Patrick Stewart's Xavier. The reason why he is the way he is is because of what's going on with his brain. You know, I'm a pastor, and I've seen members before they've had dementia, and I've seen them as it progressed. Before they're wonderful, pleasant, incredibly nice people to visit. And then later they become nasty, they're absent-minded, they don't know what's going on. Okay, take that into an expert world, and somebody has a similar kind of a disease, except for this guy can read minds. He has, you know, telekinesis, telepathy, all that jazz. It should not be a surprise that he is going absolutely loopy. He's a little angry. He's cranky. People that are in a condition like Xavier are going to be like that. You see Logan having to give him medicine, having him to carry him around, having to take him to the bathroom. I mean, I mean, Logan's losing all dignity. And you know, the thing is, this is what many people experience with their ailing parents or grandparents. They've gone through a very similar thing. It's not easy. And the thing is, is for Logan, I mean, there's this point late in the movie where they meet this family and they stay with him. He says, well, this is my dad and this is my daughter. And the thing is, he called him his dad and you don't realize, you realize that that is, there's a lot of truth to that. That he is his father in a sense. And he's been caring for him like an ailing father. He's not caring for Xavier because he owes Xavier, but because he loves Xavier. He loves this man who brought him in and gave him a family. Even though the reality you know, find out later that he is the one that killed that family. Then you get the girl brought in. X-23. He's... She's his daughter. And you have moments where she's being... She's just taking things. <laughs> and, uh, without asking. And she's causing problems. And, the th and he's getting frustrated. And the funny part about it, it's kind of like a parent. Where a parent sees their kids doing something that they wish their kids, kids wouldn't do, but in all reality, they're doing what they used to do when they were their age. It's kind of like nature's revenge on every parent, you know? And those things that frustrate you are the very things that probably frustrated your parents. I mean, you got to remember, the first X-Men movie, Wolver there's this whole thing, the whole thing back and forth between Wolverine and Cyclops. And, you know, Wolverine steals Cyclops' motorcycle. Alright? He's a guy that takes things that are not his. And here we have him in um, this movie dealing with a girl that's doing the very same thing he used to do. And it's the challenge of parenting. And there is this beautiful scene in the movie where they're, they are 
meeting with this family. This they their animals get out of get get loose and you know they get they get crashed off of the road and Logan you know and Xavier and all of them helped them get the horses back under control, helped them get back on the road and all that. So the family invites them over for dinner. And they have this meal, and it's such a great scene. They're just sitting there and talking, completely, utterly normal conversation. It felt real. And in my opinion, it was such a good thing. It was what was needed because if you had these characters who had been fighting their entire lives and I think in part longing for a true family and I think that gets even more whole when you look at Xavier Xavier's the upbringing that's shown in X-Men First Class is that of a man who never really had a family and all of a sudden, here he is seeing it. He's seeing what they've wanted, what they've longed for. Having a good, home-cooked meal. Enjoying the presence of one another. Just everyday conversation. And then they have what happened to that family. To have them all killed by a clone of Logan. And that is... Like, Nerdwriter brought it up, that should hit you so close to home. The reality that this... its He's lived a life of violence everywhere he turns. His past comes back to haunt him. And here it kills the peace and tranquility that they were enjoying for a moment kills this family. It hits even more when this when Logan is talking to X-23 Laura and says to her that I'm not good at this stuff. Everyone that I care about ends up dead. To which she responds then I should just be fine. I should be fine. And it just hits like a dagger. She thinks he doesn't care about him. And the words that he's saying. You know, he, he sees her as his daughter. And it's, like I said, the movie is so emotionally rich. It's so such strong character development. Great performances from Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart and you know the other a lot of the other actors. It was just very well directed from the lighting to the coloring to the music. It's you know I love that in the closing credits they play Johnny Cash music. I mean what especially it was old man Johnny Cash music. I mean, what more fitting music for this film? It is such a good movie, and if you have not seen Logan, I encourage you to go watch it. 
I'm telling you, I'm going to warn you, it is violent. It has very vulgar language in it. But it is such a well-crafted movie. And one of the things I love... This is one of the re- the reason I like it better than The Dark Knight. Is that The Dark Knight falls into the realism. Goes for the realistic approach, right? The realism approach. But the problem is when they do that, they throw away... Um, they throw away Batman as a character. Batman is no longer the great inventor. He's no longer the great detective. I mean, which is ironic because Batman originated from detective comics. And they took the detective out of it. Which, I heard some people say, well, they're trying to be realistic. I'm like, What? Having a great detective is unrealistic? There's great detectives all over the world. Alright? Seriously, that's absurd to say you can't have a great detective for the sake of realism. No, that's called, we don't have a great detective because we chose to ignore it or whatever. He came off as incompetent and didn't, like he knew now to do nothing. Alright, so... Um, I mean, Batman is supposed to be a bit more like Sherlock Holmes. And... You know, like, the first movie, Batman Begins, Rachel Ghoul is supposed to be more like Moriarty. But they didn't really get that element of the two characters, and it kind of disappointing. And so, and the, so, like, the thing is, with the Batman film, the Dark Knight trilogy, was that they were, there were three good movies, but they weren't really good Batman movies. Because they kind of threw away a large portions of the character. And that is the reason why I kind of struggle with them. So, whereas Logan is a movie that manages to be, go into realism. And I mean, one of the things I loved about this movie was the way... I mean, the movie's supposed to pl- take place in 2029, and I love that they used the 20 year 2029, because there was a comic book series uh, back in the 90s, I don't know if they still do this, but they used to do, like, Spider-Man 2029, they did this futuristic comic, but anyways, what they did in this, so they used that year, I'm guessing, for that reason, and, and the thing is, is you watch the movie, you can tell that the creator of this film is a comic book fan, he is a Wolverine fan. Alright, he really is. And and I think that really does come through in the movie, in the style. Because the thing is, like I said, is even though they're grounded in this reality, it's still Wolverine. It's still Charles Xavier. They haven't let go of any of the realities of the characters. Rather, they actually did what they sh- people should have been doing from the get-go. They should have been coming up with these stories. And taking these characters like Wolverine, like Xavier, simply asking the, the plot question. If I had, if I could read people's minds, and I was in my older ages, and I ended up with a degenerative brain disease, what would I do? And what would Logan do? If Xavier was like that, it makes sense. 
that he would be the one to care for because it hits at the underlying nature of Logan. I mean, Logan, all of his enemies, is a character that is at the heart a good person. But he's so plagued by his demons. And so, it's, and I like to say, going back to the whole futuristic thing, I like what they did with it. Yes, it takes place in 2029, so 12 years from now. But you look at it, I mean, there's some futuristic things, like, you know, the trucks that drive the auto trucks, the auto combines, and things like that. But by and large, it looks very similar to today. And it makes sense. I mean, 12 years ago, 2005, how different does 2005 look from 2017? Not a lot. I remember there used to be a time when we would make movies that far in advance, the world looks so drastically different. It's super high-tech and really, I mean, even compared today to the 1980s. Is it different? Yeah. I mean, our technologies are impressive, but it's not that drastic. And I like that, you know, Logan went that route. That, and I mean, I like, you know, I like the, um, the limo that Logan was driving at the very beginning of the movie. You look at it, it's like, it looks like no limo that we see today, but it's not that far off from limos that we see today. Because that's just it. It's, it's in the future, but it's not so far in the future that's going to be that drastic. And so, like I said, I think it's done it's a movie that's through and through is good. Great action, great directing, great characters, um, character development, great storytelling. It definitely has moments where I, where I begin to tear up. Um, like just before, there's a scene with Xavier where it's after they've had this dinner with his family. Logan, Xavier says that this is the best night that I've had in my life. And if you know what's going to happen, it makes you kind of tear up. And again, as a person who's been around a lot of death, I've seen that. Okay, not what ends up happening when Xavier dies, but where a family gets blessed with one last great night with their loved one before they pass. And I saw that, and I'm like, that's, that's what happens a lot. It's one of the most beautiful things I've always considered to be almost a gift from God. So that's what I've got on the movie Logan. It is, go watch it. It is, it's as good as you can get. So, with that all in mind, I am Pastor Neil Wemus. This is the Key Role Film Society. This was a, my review and analysis of the movie Logan. I know it didn't really bring in a lot of theology. And there is actually some theology in this. Actually, hold on. Okay, I can't stop for a moment. Let's go into this a little bit. I do kind of found interesting 
There is theology in this. The place that they're dedicated to getting to is a place called Eden. There's kind of this uh, heavenward thinking. Um, and you even have... Um, at the very beginning of the movie, there's a scene where Xavier is channeling. Uh, things are going on in the area. He's saying things. And one of the things he channels is some type of a... It sounded like maybe Billy Graham or something. And it was kind of interesting that that would happen. And then when they show an episode, they show scenes from Shane, and one of the scenes that they would show is a scene prominently featuring a prayer. There is underlying Christian themes in it, and I, I think it's, honestly, it's a movie I'm going to have to watch some more to really dig into it. But I think there really is some message in there about grace. You know? That I mean there's even that comment about um that Logan May said we were God's mistakes or something like that. And like I said, there's some theological discussions in there. And the thing is, as you see this, and Xavier and Logan both have something really bad that they've done. You have this girl who's doing bad things in the name of other people. I mean, you have a lot of these characters that are seeking redemption. And it goes back, and that's where that little line, which is in the, is a clear moment. I have good news for you, friends, today. It's not what about you's done or what you have said. Channeling in that preacher or whatever. I mean, it was actually speaking the gospel. They didn't bring in the cross, they didn't get that far. It's hinted at. It's alluded to. And I kind of like at the very end. I know I'm giving away spoilers here. That Logan, when he's buried, it's at the end. By the, at the end, Laura makes the the head head marker uh, an X, symbolizing X Men. And I kind of like that they didn't do that at the outset. Because it started with the cross. They did it. It's not a replacement, I think. It's kind of a both and. Is that this movie is relying on the idea concept of grace and mercy. And there's a lot of grace and mercy for Wolverine given just the damage he's done in his life. That's echoed throughout the story. He's a man... That's lived a life of pain, and I like how in the movie they allude to the fact that the stories of the the X Men in the comics, even though we never saw them in film, were not entirely were had elements of truth to them, letting you know that there were stories of Wolverine that never made it to the to the to the silver screen. And if you know the comics, you know he's got a really dark, 
violent, awful past. And throughout this movie, that keeps coming back to haunt him. And it's ultimately not what he does that gives him peace. It's the love of that girl that gives him peace in his last moments. It's love. And that's it. Grace, peace, and mercy comes from love in in the gospel sense it comes from the love of Christ specifically in his death and death on the cross they end with that ex that ex coming down you know a tribute to the fact that he was an ex but again I don't think that's replacement for the cross I think I want I think they wanted that cross there make it stand for a little bit. They didn't do that right away. They let the cross stand for a little bit for you to focus on it. Then she changed it to the X. And I think that was a great way to do it both. Good movie, and it really does... I think it's worth me exploring some more. It's probably going to be one of those movies I watch dozens of times. It is such a good movie so much it's, it is an emotional one and like I said the action scenes are great um, finally you saw Wolverine let loose but the irony is is in the movie that he lets loose you see the also see the consequences of that Wolverine and it coming back to haunt again I am Pastor Neil Wemus I am a pastor at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Ida Grove, Iowa I pray that this is a joy to you. And again, if you have not seen the movie, um, Logan, I encourage you to go check it out. i give you the warning again. It is violent. It is bloody. It's got cursing. It's definitely not for kids. But it is a very good movie. If you've watched some of those really ultra-violent Western movies, you should be able to handle this. That's on the same vein very similar style definitely inspired by me so the Lord bless you and keep you in Jesus name Amen